Welcome. If you weren't here last week, Happy New Year. Uh, We're still feeling like we're getting into this new year. And I would like to take today to do something I've been very excited about doing for a while. um, To bring you kind of a a state of the church report. It'll be very brief. But just to kind of highlight some of what God did last year. As well as to help give focus to where we believe God is taking us this year uh, in the months ahead. So uh, as we came into 2014... We began the year with this theme of abounding. Uh, I hope by now at least some of you can quote 2 Corinthians 9, 8. For God is able to make his grace abound to you. That in all times, at all things, having everything you need, that you might abound in every good work. Uh, We we spent the first part of the year talking about the, the reality, the fact that we are incredibly blessed by the riches of God and that God has taken the initiative to bring us His grace. You know, grace is not something that we chase after. It's not something that we find. It's something that God takes the initiative to bring and He gives us His grace and He gives it to us generously and richly. And yet he gives it to us, not just so that we might be blessed, but to transform us into generous people after his image. And so 2014 became a year of abounding. As a church, as individuals, uh, it was a year of just saying, Lord, how do you want to use me to bless others? Uh, We started the year last year. One of the first things that we did last year was we prayed for another church in the community. And we uh, pretty much did that every Sunday, praying for a different church every Sunday. Uh, The reason we did that is just to remind us that we are here to be a part of the larger body of Christ. We're not here to compete. We're here to encourage, to love, to stand with every faithful church and every faithful Christian in this city. And so that was an attempt on our part to say we want to be a generous church when it comes to other churches as well. Uh, We also had our first annual Lead to Lead conference. Had no idea how that was going to turn out. No idea if anybody would come. But we sent out the word and just said, you know, we want to gather. We want to encourage you. We want to try to build unity among the churches of our community. And we want to share with you anything and everything that the Lord has given us that might encourage you and help you as a church. To our surprise, over 200 people from more than 30 churches came and took part in Lead to Lead. Um, we are having the second annual Lead to Lead conference coming up soon, February 26 and 27. So we'll be praying for that again this year. And then on uh, the, the third thing that we did last year that was uh, unique for us was that we had a Sunday that we call the churches left the building. We didn't show up here at all. Well, a handful of people did just to welcome those who didn't get the word. But almost all of us didn't come here at all. It wasn't a vacation from church. It was a day for the church to get outside the walls of the building and into the community where all of us live, but with intention of being light in this community. I will tell you, it's one of the most powerful days of the year last year to me. It was an incredible thing to see and to hear all the stories of where you went all over the city just to be the presence of God, the hands and the feet and the mouth of God in the city. We will also do that again coming up in March, March 15. If you want to go ahead and put it on your calendar, write it down. Don't come here. Uh, Be planning now how you and your community group or your family or how you as an individual will use that day to bless someone else in our community. We had five mission trips to Kentucky, Colombia, Bulgaria, Costa Rica, Zambia. 
had a six. I see Shane Clark sitting right over here that was planned that because of the turmoil in Mexico we didn't get to do, but Shane, I hope we can do it this year. Uh, we'll have many other trips uh, back to Bulgaria. Um, we'll be going uh, to China, to Peru, uh, several other trips also on the radar for this year. One of the most important things we did this year was that we decided to plant another church. We, we felt a strong leading from the Lord that, that his plan for us was not to build our empire, but to keep investing in the kingdom of God. So as we began to fill up last year, we felt very strongly it is time for us to plant another church. So we asked everybody who lived in Phoenix City or, or on the other side of the river to pray about the possibility of being a part of a brand new church over there. And uh, in the middle of the year last year, about 100 plus people chose to do that. And we now have another church in Phoenix City, Alabama uh, that is uh, continuing till the day, getting stronger. We're excited about that work. But it was, a, it was a response to God's call to us to say, I want you to be radically devoted to the kingdom, not to yourselves. And then lastly was your faithfulness, your rich generosity in financial giving. The rich generosity part of that comes right out of Scripture. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, just before 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Paul begins to brag on the Macedonians. And he says that even though they were poor, even though they were being persecuted, even though they were going through extreme suffering, their rich generosity welled up when they begged for the privilege of giving to the suffering saints in Jerusalem. And I want to tell you that as we came to the end of this year, uh, I don't know whether to shout or to cry, but I am so grateful that you have gotten that message. What God has done through you this year in terms of financial generosity is unprecedented at Christ Community Church. And I just want to tell you as your pastor how much I appreciate you. And most, most of all, I'm just glad that you're getting that concept of the generosity principle. Can I just share a few highlights very quickly? First of all, when we announced the uh, 50-50 plan, um, it, was a, it was a different thing than we have ever done. We said, you know what? God has not called us to keep building more buildings. We're not committed to expanding this facility. We believe that God has called us to reproduce. And that means that two things are going to have to happen. Number one, we've got to get completely out of debt. Completely out of debt. Because if we could get out of debt, that's a major chunk of our budget that could be used for kingdom purposes. Number two, we've got to raise significant funds not to build this empire, but to, to contribute to the kingdom. And so we came up with this idea of the 50-50 plan. We said, we want you to give and to give generously. We're going to give 50% of everything that comes in directly to kingdom purposes. By kingdom purposes, let me just be clear. There's not an account that in my name called Kingdom, all right? Uh, I just want to be clear, make sure nobody doesn't have any misunderstandings there. Kingdom means church planting here or abroad. It could be right here in our own city or it could be on the other side of the world in India. But church planting is a part of that. International missions is a part of that. And local missions is a third piece of that. So 50% of everything we were going to raise was going to go directly into the kingdom accounts. The other 50% was going to go to get us out of debt so that we could be more generous in our budget in terms of giving. I want to tell you, it's something that uh, the, the professional fundraisers would say it was a hard sell. Because you weren't going to get anything tangible out of it. It truly was a call to kingdom generosity. And can I just share with you 
that uh, by the end of 2014, you have already given $634,557. This is not pledges. These are actual gifts. We had pledges of over $1.3 million. Half of it came in already. Half of it is already in. Can we just give God a praise for his faithfulness in that? Secondly, because of that, because of uh, our, our board's decision to say, you know what, we've got, we've got a savings account. Savings are good. It's a good thing to have savings. But we had a significant savings account that was to be used for future what-ifs. And we felt like the Lord was saying, it's great to have savings, but when you've got this much debt, it's not great to have that much savings. And so our board decided to give the vast majority of our savings to, the, to our debt reduction plan. So with that and the 50-50 amount and the end-of-the-year surplus, we have decreased our debt from $1.244 million to 565000 just in the last five months. <laughs> Praise God for that. Not only were you faithful in giving to the 50-50 plan, but we ended up with a surplus in our budget. And again, surplus and budgets don't get to, to, to be doled out among our staff. Uh, that's not a bonus at the end of the year. We've made a commitment 15 years ago or so that if we had any, if the Lord blessed us with more than we needed for our budget, that we would immediately give half of that to kingdom and the other half would be given to savings. That's why we have a savings account. This year, 50% goes to kingdom, 50% goes to debt reduction. Um, and so I just again want to say, not only did you respond to the call to 50-50, but you were faithful. Many of you, uh, for many of you, your response to the 50-50 plan was, you know, I've never really given to kingdom purposes, and so I want to start giving on a regular basis. It's obvious that many of you started doing that. And I just want to say, God bless you, and may you continue to see the truth and the reality of 2 Corinthians 9-8 in terms of God's ability and God's desire to make us even richer so that, and I don't mean money here, I'm talking about rich and spiritual things, that we might be even richer in our generosity uh, for such a time as now. For such a time as now. I have a feeling that everything God has taken us through in the last, six to, uh, last 12 months has been to lead us into where he is leading us this year. For such a time as now. Now, those of you who know God's word know that this comes right out of the Bible, uh, though it's slightly changed. It comes out of the book of Esther, where Mordecai says to Esther, Who knows, but that God has not raised you up for such a time as, as this. Well, we have changed that slightly to for such a time as now. And here's why. The seeds of this began to germinate in my spirit back in the fall of last year. You may remember me sharing one Sunday how the Lord woke me up out of a dead sleep. And I immediately felt impressed that the Lord was speaking three words to me. I felt like the, the three words were this, urgency, attentiveness, and obedience. Urgency, attentiveness, and obedience. Now, as I began to reflect on those words, the Lord took me to Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Let me read that for you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity 
because the days are evil. This was what was behind my sense of what God was speaking to me and I believe to us as well. Uh, By urgency, it is not a call to frantic activity. Urgency is not just saying get busy and do something. The urgency was specifically about the second two words, that we are to be urgent about our attentiveness and about our obedience, that these are difficult days, these are trying days, these are weighty days, and the Lord is speaking to us. It is a season for urgency, for attentiveness, and for obedience for such a time as now. Aren't these weighty days? I mean, when you think about what's going on in our world right now, it just, I mean, I know every generation has undergone uh, turmoil and, and, and tumult, but these days in particular seem to be especially weighty days. I ask our staff and whoever else joined us on Thursday at Crave, you know, how would you describe these days? And uh, some of the words that were shared were words like uh, tumultuous, uh, change, um, uh, polarization. I mean, these are some of the words that, that are, are, are defining these days. These are tumultuous times. I mean, just think back over the last six months and what's happened here in our own country and around the world over the last six months uh, with things like Ferguson and New York, uh, with things like ISIS, Russia and Ukraine, um, with things like Ebola. Now we've got Paris added to that in the last week or so. I mean, these are days of great tumult. And they're days where it causes us to feel unsettled. Secondly, they're days of rapid and dramatic change. Now, as I said a moment ago, I know that every generation, is a, change is a part of every generation. Sometimes we tend to think that nobody's ever experienced what we're experiencing. And, and the truth is, you know, every generation experiences significant change. But I will tell you that there are two factors that I believe are creating a very special environment right now that, are height, that is heightening the impact of these changes. It's creating rapid change and dramatic change. And that is uh, the, the, uh, uh, the birth of the internet in the last 20 to 30 years and the cable TV, the 24-hour news cycle where we are constantly aware of what's going on all over the world. And what that's doing, it's not just news and information, but it shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we feel. It shapes the way we see and understand the world. Some of that's good. Some of that's a challenge. When we think about rapid and dramatic change, I mean, just think about some of the dramatic changes that have taken place in our world, in our, our culture, just in the last few years. Let me just give you one example. Just one. One example is, think about how dramatically our views as a nation have changed on sexuality and marriage just in the last few years. In the last few years, we have abandoned hundreds and and, and centuries, millennia even of thinking, just in a period of just a few years, there's been that dramatic change. These are the days that we're living in. It's a day of great polarization where you've got not just 24-hour news, but you've got you know, dozens of TV stations, dozens of radio stations that are constantly in that 24-hour cycle giving us their opinion on what's going on. And uh, if some of us get locked into one channel and all we get is one opinion. 
All we hear is one way of thinking or one way of seeing it and understanding it. And what that does is more and more it pushes us to this end or that end. We're no longer living together, working through things, but we're defending and attacking. We are becoming a nation that is extremely polarized. So my question is this. I mean, these are the times that we live in. We can't change that. I mean, these are the times that we live in. The question is, how do we respond to these times? Because I want to tell you that we cannot and we must not just put our head in the sand and pretend like it's not there. We can't live in denial. Uh, And we also can't isolate. We can't embrace a bunker mentality that just says, I'm just going to wall myself in and live in my own little safe world while the rest of the world continues on as it is. That's not what we're called to do, beloved, as God's people. We're called to engage the world at every level. But we're also not meant to live in fear and anxiety and worry about all the things that are going on. In fact, I want to say to us, though I'm spending some time acknowledging the reality of the world around us, it's not there that we need to be focused. It's not on all the things that are happening that we need to to be focused. Let me offer four things that I would say to you. I think today we need to be very devoted to. First of all is this, that we need to be radically devoted to God's Word. Radically devoted to God's Word. I was reading in, in Amos just this week. And there's one part of Amos where the Lord says, I have set before you a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? If you're a builder, if you've ever had any uh, experience in in, uh, uh, handiwork of that kind of plumb line, is a line that makes sure that things stay level, that things stay on center. And God says, my word is your plumb line. It is your plumb line. It's that which keeps you grounded in the midst of all that change. Uh, There are some changes that are good, and there are some changes that are not good. How do we know the difference? It's by God's Word. God's Word is our standard. God's Word is where we get ourselves grounded. There's never been a time where it was more important that we as God's people be rooted and grounded in His Word. We are constantly being told what we ought to think. We're constantly being told the way we ought to live. And the way we measure that, the way we uh, judge the soundness of those words is by understanding and knowing God's Word. So it is a call to uh, radical devotion to God's Word. Um, We're going to talk in a few minutes about some opportunities that are coming up. We want to make sure that you've got opportunities to grow in your ability to study God's Word and in your study of it. But what we're going to be doing in here, let me just kind of give you a, uh, an overview of where we're going on Sunday mornings in the message series. We're going to start with the book of Esther. Esther inspired this in many ways, and I've never done a teaching on Esther. Um, it's one of the strangest books in the Bible, never mentions God in the whole book. Uh, and that's why a lot of people don't even teach on it. They just kind of avoid it. In fact, some people in history have said it shouldn't be in the Bible. But I believe it's there for a reason. God has put it there for a reason. We're going to dig in. We're not going to spend too many weeks, but we'll spend four or five weeks on Esther looking. And here's why. Esther was living at a critical time in history where there was dramatic change taking place in her world. And that's where we get that, that great line where Mordecai says to her, God has put you in a place where you can make it. He doesn't use the word God. But where you are being put in a place for such a time as this. And so we're going to dig into Esther. Uh, we're also going to dig into the book of Hebrews. 
Uh, Hebrews has been one of my favorite books uh, for, for a couple of decades. I love the book of Hebrews. And I have never taught through the book of Hebrews. I've, I've taught on passages in Hebrews, but I've never taught through the whole book. And part of the reason is that I've always felt there was such a weighty book. And it's a book that speaks to a people who were living at a time. They were Jewish Christians. They were Christians who had been raised Jew. And because of that, they were living in a time where Christianity was coming under tremendous persecution. And there was tremendous temptation to leave the danger of Christianity and to go into the safe harbor of Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews uh, just does an incredible work of helping us to understand why we must stand firm and stay locked on to the promises of Jesus Christ. And, and And it just seems that this year the Lord is saying, now is the time, for such a time as now. We want to dig into the book of Hebrews. We're going to do half of it in the spring, half of it in the fall. And in the summer, similar to what we did a couple of years ago, we're going to dig into some of the very specific issues facing our world today. We're not going to hold up back anything. We're going to dive into some controversial issues, some difficult issues. And what we're going to do is this. We're going to ask ourselves, what does God's word say about this? Let me just give you one example. The issue of immigration. Immigration is a huge issue in our country. And there are people that line up on this side, and there are people that line on this side. But let me ask the question, what does God's word say to us as his people about immigrants, about aliens? It's very, very important that we understand what God's word says so that we don't get sucked into one or the other argument that would lead us away from the very thing God would have us be and do. We're going to do that with 10 or 12 different major issues facing our culture today. So that's where we're going in terms of preaching. We want to be radically devoted to God's word. Secondly, we want to be radically devoted to intentional discipleship. And when we think about discipleship, we think about the organic aspects of that and the intentional aspects of that. It's very similar to parenting. Any of you who are parents understand that there are many things that you do that help shape your son or daughter that are not so much intentional. It's just who you are. And the way you live together, I mean, who you are day in, day out, the way you live together day in and day out has probably the greatest impact on your kids of anything I know. That's organic. It just happens. But there are times where you as a parent realize, I need to teach and to train my child in these things. And so there are things that we bring to our children intentionally in order to teach them and train them. Well, exactly the same thing is true when it comes to discipleship. And quite frankly, Christ community has been fairly strong on the organic side between what happens here, what happens in community groups, what happens as we serve together. That's been a very strong positive for our church. But on the intentional side, quite frankly, we've been weaker. And uh, our whole staff has been working on this, but Gil Price, who is our pastor of Grow Ministries, has taken the lead on it, and I'm going to ask Gil to join me right now. And I want Gil just to share with you an overview of some of the things that we've begun to develop to bring more intentionality to discipleship. Thank you, Keith. So as I've been in this position of uh, Grow Pastor for a number of months, uh, have just really appreciated um, Keith's encouragement to provide more focus towards uh, towards discipleship. Uh, interestingly, 
my wife has been recently reading this book by Jen Hatmaker called Interrupted, and I love the subtitle, When Jesus Erects Your Comfortable Christianity. And there were two things that she said as they, they uh, were called to plant this new church, Austin New Church, and, and I want to share this with you. Austin, this is their vision of what their body would be. Austin New Church would become a disciple factory, rejecting the language and structures that create spiritually immature consumers. And the second thing she said was, Christ followers would learn to take ownership in their own spiritual development, not expecting their church to do all the heavy lifting. And I, I love the heart in this, and I, I share her, her desire. And this is what, what we as a staff want for our body, is uh, that you would take ownership. Um, and in an effort to do that, uh, we, we've come up with, a, with several paths. And you can see in the overhead, there, there are four paths that we really want to bring focus to to encountering Jesus at Christ Community. Uh, Next slide. The first path is the discover path. And this is is our attempt. Well, I'm sorry. We are committed to helping you get deeply connected here in the life of God. And you see there are four classes. The first is getting started. Uh, If you've been to our discover class or discovery class, it is in essence, the same thing. Uh, the second is going deeper. For those who have been around a while, Discovery 2, in essence, is, is this, the going deeper. It really gets into the five parts of, of the river, uh, worship, grow, connect, live, and serve. And we, uh, we explain why this is so important in getting connected with the life of God. And the last two classes, Gifted to Serve, you may be familiar with. It's how, how we're finding out how we're connect or how God has designed us and how we can fulfill our purpose in his kingdom. Uh, the third class I want to bring a little bit of attention to, uh, we, we really just figured, figured that um, many of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that shape the way we, we uh, engage in relationships and view the world. And we wanted to talk about some of the things that have shaped us in that regard. So this is the discover path. The, uh, the second path that we really wanted to bring emphasis to is the biblical studies path. Uh, Keith talked about that being one of the emphases for the year, and this is one way we thought we could do that best. And uh, you can see an Old Testament survey course composed of two semesters and the same for a New Testament survey course, an inductive Bible study course that really shares how uh, we, we study the Word. These are, these are kind of the, when I, I go to the Bible, what do I do with it? Well, this is a class to kind of explain how you engage in Scripture. And finally, uh, we'll offer several elective courses on specific books of the Bible. Uh, I'm in conversations with uh, a couple of seminaries that may give some weight to, to this biblical certificate that we're trying to put together. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, the next is the, the Christian life path. And there are four, four specific areas of the Christian life. And we are committed to bringing Christ into every aspect of our lives. And, and you can see that there are four specific areas that we wanted to focus on. First is spiritual formations. These would deal with anything with the spiritual disciplines that we discussed last summer. The second is wholeness. And uh, just like growing in wholeness, this is dealing with past hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Uh, the third is life skills. And these are um, really just miscellaneous things that we all are engaged in our lives. Parenting, marriage, um, financial issues. Uh, and finally, mission. We really wanted to emphasize the fact that the Lord has called each of us to mission in his kingdom and find out what our part in that is. Uh, with these last two, I want to highlight two specific classes. Uh, if I could go to the, the perspective slide. 
Uh, so Perspectives is a course that we're offering on Tuesday nights. It's a 15-week course at a cost of $245. And I just want to say if, if you know, that is, uh, that, that's a pretty high threshold. If there is financial need, please come see me. I would love to talk with you about that. Uh, but this is a fantastic course, just understanding what the mission of God has been throughout history and Scripture and determining what our part in that, that mission is. Uh, what, is, what God's heart for the world is and our part in it. Uh, it similarly, next slide. The, uh, the Financial Peace University. Uh, last fall, we, we had a call and 80 families responded to this call of getting out of debt. And as a church, we wanted to give some opportunities and some tools to help you in that. Uh, Financial Peace University is a nine-week course. Uh, it's a cost of $93 and plus shipping. Uh, and the heart of this is this will change the way you view and use your money um, and will have significant impacts for both, uh, both you and generations to follow. Uh, my father went through something similar with Larry Burkett, and um, as a result, that's had great impact on me, even growing up. Um, so, and again, if there is financial need, we would love to help out with that. Um, you can come see me or David Holt. Uh, we're we're going to offer a $45 rebate for those that, that complete the course and have financial need. And next slide. And uh, the, the leadership path. So... We've talked about the first three paths. This final path, we recognize that as, uh, as our heart is to reproduce, uh, we need leaders. So we are committed to growing leaders at every level. And as you can see, this is, this is kind of our heart for doing that. Thank you, Gil. Uh, I just want to um, piggyback on what Gil said. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate your leadership. And just thank you for giving us this overview. Um, the perspectives class that Gil talked about is not something that we we're hosting it. It's something. It's a it's a bigger movement kind of thing. It's a great great class or anybody that's interested in missions, not just abroad but at home as well. Uh, we can't control the cost. It's a major investment, but you will get massive amounts out of it. Uh, financial peace as well. Is, there's a cost to it. And you may say, well, you know, it's odd that we'd have to pay to get out of debt. Well, honestly, one of the first steps in getting out of debt is you've got to make a commitment. But as Gil just said, we did spend some time talking about this week, and we just feel like God was doing such a major move to get us all out of debt that we do want to, to do exactly what he said. Anybody who needs it, who will start that course and finish it, complete it, we will give you half of your money back in a refund because we want to encourage you to take this step because we believe it will have dramatic uh, impact on you. So we've talked about being devoted to God's word and being devoted to intentional discipleship. That leads to the third place where we're to be devoted. And that is that we are to be radically dependent on God himself. Radically dependent on God in all things and at all times. Uh, when we talk about for such a time as now, one of the things that we want to emphasize is that we serve a God who is a God of now. He is a God of now. Now, this will kind of blow our circuits. It's kind of outside of our human ability to grasp. But God exists outside of time. God is not bound by past and future. 
God exists at all times and all things. And so, you know, God doesn't have past and future. All things are true in the moment for God. And he is that God of now. Uh, Pam and I were just talking about this this week, talking about the importance of it. And uh, as she often does, uh, she shared a picture with me that really captured what I want to say here. Uh, let's go to that next slide. When, you know, God is a God of the now. God is outside of time. But you and I are not. You and I are time-bound beings. We are deeply aware of our past, and we hope we have a future, right? I mean, we're very much aware of past and future. Um, And and that's a good thing, but it's also a challenging thing. uh, Because we also have an enemy. And there's an enemy who desires to to get us to do anything except live in the now. Because you see, when we look at our past, let's just go to the past for a minute. In our past, we have regrets, we have hurts, we have memories, some are good, some are not so good. We, we, some of us have glory days. Uh, you ever known somebody who was just constantly talking about their old days when they were so great and did everything so wonderfully? Some people never leave their glory days. They just live in the past all the time. Um, and some of us tend to, to, to think more about the future. The future is unknown. The future may involve fear. Let's go to that next slide and bring up those. The unknowns, the fear, the dreams. Uh, Some people, in a similar way, are always living in the future. Have you ever, maybe you're guilty of this yourself, but have you ever heard somebody say, when I get here, I'm going to do that. Or when I just get to this place in my life, I'm going to do this. And they're always, they're always planning for something they're going to do at some point in the future. Let me just remind us this morning that we have an enemy who very much wants to keep you from living in the now. And honestly, he doesn't care if he can get you in the past or in the future. Doesn't matter to him. But he will do anything he can to keep you from living in the now. So he will take you back into your past over and over and over again. If it's painful, he will want to get you stuck in that pain. If it's, if it's been uh, something that's, uh, that's been hurtful, he will want to get you stuck in resentment and bitterness. If it's been positive, then he will want you just to keep living out those old days over and over and over again. But he wants to get you stuck in your past. Or he will take you to the future. And he will encourage you and draw you into a place of worry and anxiety or fretting or fantasizing about what the future might hold. It may be positive, it may be negative. But anything to keep us from living in the now. But the good news that I'm bringing you today is this. We serve a God of the now. We serve a God who holds all things at all times in his hands. We serve a God who is able to take everything in your past, good and bad, and it will be both. But he's able to take all of your experiences, good and bad, and shape them and use them to make you who he wants you to be right now. Right now. Doesn't matter where, the, where you were, but where he wants you to be right now. And God holds the future in his hands. So, beloved, the great news is this. If we can keep ourselves resting in the hand of God, we can, we can uh, rest assured that God will use past. He will keep the future in his hands and use them in a way that will shape us and prepare us to be who he has meant us to be right now. 
And all of that leads to the fourth point. And the fourth point is this, that if we're in that place of living by faith, radically depending on God, in that place in his hands, uh, resting in his providence and trusting in his goodness, then that will liberate us. The last point, if we go to the next slide, um, the last point is that we will come to a place of being able, do we have that last point? We will be able to live life to the fullest because we are in his hands, resting complete and free. Now, I'm not going to spend any time on that point because we're going to go there significantly in the days and months to come. Here's what I want to do. I, and it's not because the point's not up there. <laughs> I, I, want, I, want, I want to stop right here because I want to, I want to, I'm going to be transparent with you. And tell you that I think last year, if my memory serves, last year I kind of jokingly made this resolution that I was going to preach shorter. Anybody remember that? Uh, I don't think I made it through the day. I'm pretty sure that very day I I ran way past time. I, I want to tell you that this year, this is not a resolution. This is a conviction. Because of God's stirring about urgency attentiveness, and obedience. God has said to me very clearly, this is not a time for too many words. It's not a time for too many words. We need to listen and respond. And I recognize that that there's only so much you can digest. And there's only so much that you can respond to. And so I am determined this year to be more pointed to be more potent, and to be more penetrating. Those are three more words the Lord has given me. And the, Amen. All right, thank you. Somebody finally woke up out there and said, yeah, I like this. Um, but, but I'm serious about this. I mean, I really do believe the Lord has said, I want you to be more pointed, more potent, and more penetrating. Because, beloved, if you come here week after week, and you leave here, and you feel like, wow, I've got a lot more information than I did when I came in. And that's all that happens. Quite frankly, we just wasted an hour and a half. It it is a time to come together to listen to the Spirit of God. So I want to stop right where we are, and I want to hone in on this third point of the God of the now. And I've got some reflection questions here. We're going to take time each week to really reflect and respond and I want to ask you to stick around. I know because we go so late, many of you have to go before we're even done. And um, this year, I'm saying stick around because I want to send you out with a final word after communion, after response. But here are the questions. But I want to ask you for now. They're going to be up there when you open your eyes. But for now, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? And I just want to speak these so that you can hear them. How are these tumultuous times affecting you? And how is God inviting you to respond today? And then here's a critical one. What in your past or future tends to distract you from the now? In fact, I'd like to I'd like to do something with your eyes bowed, eyes bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you would say that the enemy 
has, uh, has been having a field day in my life keeping me stuck in the past? Just raise your hand. As a, just a confession. Just as a confession. Just, just make the confession. The enemy has a, a way of just getting me stuck in my past. How many of you would say the opposite? The enemy gets me caught in the future. Worry, anxiety, fear, or fantasy. Just raise your hands, you know. How many of you, the issue is the future? Now, here's the final and the most important question. Then what would it look like for you today, for such a time as now? What would it look like for you now? To surrender and to rest in the hands of the God of now.